Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to the 100th episode of Concussion Dog Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Nick Mercer. And before we get started on today's episode, I'd like to first thank my sponsor, Head Check Health. Concussion Talk Podcast is presented by Head Check Health. Head Check Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on Head Check Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadshakeHealth.com for more. Thank you all again so much for joining me on this 100th episode. If you'd like to support Concussion Talk or Concussion Talk Podcast, please visit Patreon.com slash Concussion Talk. You can follow me, rate, review on any way you get your podcast, really. Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. And wherever you get them. Or you can visit my website at www.concussiontalk.com. And now we're back talking to John, Don, and Alan about the ride, the bike ride, in August 1st, on August 1st of 2003, which resulted in my brain injury and this podcast and my website, for that matter. So please enjoy. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, well, I, sh- I just... Uh... I forgot to mention before I a little introduction that Lauren Zayas is also also is also here. She's not me, well not help me really busy host this episode. And uh, I'm here with John John Shawnson announcements. And uh, Don is nowhere to be seen. We can't, we can't find Don, but uh, she's there somewhere. But uh, not on the not on the call yet. But maybe she'll be. But um. Alan was just actually, I started this now because John, Alan was just telling us about the hearing presentation well on that day. And uh, I, get, I guess Alan will start off with that. And then Lauren can be asked more questions about how we got there, how we, because they say, I'll start, I guess I could start off with just saying that I started to view Vic, Victoria General Hospital. Victoria is a, is in city in the capital of, of British Columbia. And, uh, yeah, and I started out there in UVic, University of Victoria, in January of 03. And 
I started doing triathlon and that's where I met John and Don, who is not here. And Alan is John's friend from, from Banff. They just discussed from before that. So he's going right to the starting in June, when is it June, May, June? When I don't remember was only that. the month. Yeah, something like that. That was the summer of 2003. And uh, we would ride every Friday. Well, you know, whenever we started riding. So every Friday, and we'd go for how long? 60K, roughly? Two hours? Two hours, anyway. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and different routes all the time. Similar routes, but like some of the same, right? We did the. We were, we were on that Mun Mun Road, and that was a, a favorite. It was a good hilly, hilly fun road, and that Ross Durant's road was lots of fun to ride because it was pretty pretty narrow and and beautiful through the trees and the forest there, right? And rarely yeah. any traffic on it, so it was a great place for for cycling. And uh, and but Alan, were you with us? We did the uh, we also did the observatory. But that was just a dozen of a train march out of a triathlon train ride. This was a kind of extracurricular ride with with Alan, but uh, we don't really do it a lot too. That was a favorite. Or uh, Kangaroo Road, East Soup Park was yeah. one I think we did a lot too. Uh, or Land. Also, about this day. Was there was it was in summer of summer two thousand three. There were lots of forest fires in British Columbia and in Vancouver Island. And uh, remember, there was usually over we usually had a triathlon swim practice on Friday mornings. And uh, this practice was canceled because of the forest fires. And remember that. And then I remember Kevin Stanner calling me and saying, you know, no practice. As I kind of thought we. Kind of figured it would be night before if they doubt to be practice, but you know, just better get up, better get up early and just make sure. But he called to say that was practice with hands because of the fire. And then either I called John or John called me or got in touch now. This is before texting we took off. And uh, but we could do that one, that one, two, three, you know, the number <laughs> like the two or like three times to get B to get C and like twice to get B and stuff like that. I think it was then. Anyway, that's not the side point. Um, and uh, we and we just went decided to get on a ride. So I assume I met you at the Starbucks. Was it Starbucks on Severn or near your home? You know, I we'd, we'd meet I Don. don't remember. I don't remember where we met that morning, but I remember I I, I could have sworn you you'd skipped breakfast or something like that. Like it was either you'd slept in or there was some kind of because I remember going up Mun Road and you were starting to saying you were feeling kind of like low like having a bit of a bonk oh, like yeah. sugar, sugar uh, crash thing and and then started eating but yeah that's foreshadowing yeah yeah and uh yeah. And then we meet we'd meet don at uh at this the gas station there in shelburne and something doesn't it don't we meet at a gas station usually or is that tiny we meet at the gas station meet you and don don together don't remember where we we met how we just drive by your place or how your apartment building to get to, to meet you? And oh then, yeah, on hillside there at the time, yeah. Yeah, and I guess I guess where we went, Don and Don and Tanya, or maybe one of them, but at a tell it was was hillside then Shelburne or Sherwin or it is. Yeah, 
And uh, I guess I'm unsure if they intersect now because I forget the whole layout of the for her totally, not totally, but just enough. But that that's as far as I remember. So I guess uh, Alan, Alan started telling them the, the exact story, which was in depth and pretty good. So if you just can you repeat where you know, let's pick up where you left off and also just start, start back to where I didn't record and you were talking about the accident. So sure. Uh, yeah, well, that morning we, we were doing, we did Munns Road uh, going up and then coming back down Ross Durant's Lake Road um, to Willis Point Road. And we're just about down to Willis Point Road and there's a, there was a hairpin turn, a big uh, right hand 90 degree turn. And I hadn't, I didn't quite see you when the accident fully happened. I saw you going over your bars. Because you were saying that, that you and I were behind John and John. At that yeah, John and Don were ahead of us. Uh, and then there was another cyclist coming up the hill and around the corner. And what I kind of think happened is he cut it too close. And you, you guys hit the corner at the same time. So you swerved to miss the other cyclist, which, or basically you just went straight instead. Yeah. And when you hit the ditch, you did a Superman over your bars. And there was a, a big ass, like four foot wide tree that you went head first into. Um, and that was when I saw you was when you went over the bars and into the tree. Uh, when I got to you, you were convulsing foaming at the mouth, uh, completely unconscious um, in, in any other fashion. Uh, you're tangled up in some bush, so I just, I got your helmet off so I could just hold you in C-spine. Um, the other cyclist did have a cell phone, but there was no reception. And within a few minutes, Don and Tanya came back up the hill. Um, and I believe John and, or either John or Don went to the house across the street and they called 911 from there. Um, we were what, pretty what close, that's pretty close to the hospital, isn't it? Well, it, was, it took about 20 minutes for EMS to get there, the fire department, because um, I think the closest, it's pretty convoluted route to get there from, yeah. from where the fire department is. And they're also in the highlands, it's uh, they're, they're an on-call system. So they have to get everybody to the fire department first. There's not just people sitting there. Oh. Um, so it was a, a fair amount of time. Uh, and then we did a relay system because they wanted to um, just keep track of your vitals. So we relayed the, the vitals. I don't know. Do you remember, John, were you having to run up to the house or did you finally get cell service or anything? No, I, I don't think we ever got cell service. We, we had the, the homeowner stay on the phone and, and we were kind of just yelling back and forth. Yeah. That road um, is pretty steep downhill where, where the accident happened. And so we were all kind of flying. And I think, you know, we'd ridden it so often that it was more fun than cautious. <laughs> Let's just yeah. say that. Right. So narrow. We, were, we were going pretty quick. And I remember Don was right in front of me and, and I was maybe 10 feet behind her when we went around that turn and the other cyclist was coming up and he was out in the middle of the road. I mean, it was, it's basically a one lane road, right? Okay. And we had to swerve to avoid him. 
And and then as soon as as soon as your accident happened, Nick, I remember him yelling, "Hey, your friend!" Right? Like he was he was hollering at us to get back up the hill. Yeah. yeah. And that was when Don and I turned around, and and exactly as Alan described, he was down beside the tree in the bush with you, basically just trying to keep you in a headlock. And he the uh, the other cyclist was saying, you know, I can't can't get a signal here on the cell phone. So that's when Don and I went up to the other house and knocked on the door and said, you know, there's been an accident. Can you call 911? And the homeowner came out to the end of the driveway. I think he had a, um, like a wireless phone, right? Like a satellite phone almost? No, no, like just like, you know, his cordless phone kind of yeah. thing. So he, he had a signal there and yeah. And I think the, the, it's like, it's almost like a volunteer fire department up there. So they, as Alan was saying that, you know, they had to get to the, the fire station, drive their emergency vehicle up through the highlands, and it's slow going there in a car, right? You can't go very fast because that road is not a, a fast road. It's just a one lane, so it's, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was like really quick they got there, but yeah, I was not. So we no. think we were outside of Toronto more? I'm sure I'm nervous. Uh, yeah, we're up in the highlands. This is the area that um, they call it. So it's past uh, Langford. Which yeah. is yeah. just it's, it's west of Victoria or or northwest. It's it's out on the peninsula. It's out like okay. I, mean, it, I, I don't know. I it's kind of hard. It's almost out towards Butchart Gardens and Brentwood Bay and like where the dump is out there, the Heartland landfill. Okay. But you're you're east of that on the peninsula still. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the storm and Lauren, did you so do you have any Lauren still there? It's hard to see because Lauren's video is a bit sketchy, so we <laughs> got to turn it off. So uh so uh, Lauren's still there. Lauren is I heard her voice is laughing, so um yeah, so do you you have these were in the Victoria to Victoria BC, have you? No, I haven't been there. Um, I had some questions for the fellows about what it was like to find you there, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That for, the, for the listeners. So, exactly. Alan, you had mentioned, um, Alan, you had mentioned that you had just finished your OF, what was it? Your your wilderness training. Um, oh, the OF Level you, 3 Outdoor Wilderness First Aid. Yeah, there we go. So lucky yeah. for Nick, he had somebody uh, on his bike with him that, <laughs> that had that training. And so what was that like for you sort of, was it in slow motion? What, what did it feel like to sort of see the accident happen and then kick into that training mode? Uh, I don't, I don't think you think. <laughs> 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 you just kind of do. And, and uh, yeah, I, I just always wonder if there'd been more I could have done. I don't, I don't know. That's uh I guess just what you run through in your head, right? But uh, like I said, Nick wasn't conscious, and uh, and it was just uh, frustrating that it, it took a long time for, or to me, it seemed like forever for for <laughs> the emergency services to get there. Um, you know, just wanting Nick to get the help that he needed because he could. Yeah, it's fascinating because when you think about know where as the trained person and then you have your 
social interactions where you're with the people that you care about and their friends. And so it's, it's always in a fascinating human condition when you're able to overdrive that personal connection you have with the person and be able to implement life-saving medical care without allowing that emotion to, to overdrive too much. So that's, I don't think there's probably anything else you could have done. That's incredible that you were able to kick into rescue mode and, and help your friend. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And then for John, so what you were saying is effectively this person was perhaps not implementing the best road sense on, on the road as they were as they were driving up. And so they saw Nick have his accident and then called back down. I'm imagining y'all are going pretty fast. So that must have all felt slow motion, but happened very quickly if he was able to call out to you and you could turn around and come back, huh? Yeah, I think, you know, at the time when, when I was swerving to avoid this guy, I knew that, you know, this wasn't a normal situation. So, I, you know, we, we slowed down right away. It wasn't like uh. ride on. Um, I remember hollering at Don and, and just being like, whoa. And, you know, the whole thing kind of happened really fast. I mean, Nick wasn't, wouldn't have been that much farther back from where I was. And, and Al certainly wasn't that much further back from, from Nick. I mean, we were kind of riding together and just got a little stretched out on the downhill, downhill bit. But, um, you know, when we would go on these kind of rides, we'd be, you know, within a few feet of each other typically. Yeah. As road cyclists do, right? So, well, on the last time I, mean, I had looked at my speedometer, we were we were doing around 50, 55k before yeah. we hit that corner. I mean, you always slow down quite a bit going into that corner, but but we're. <laughs> I guess I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my bad. It sounds like it was a case of really, really unfortunate timing, Nick, is what it sounds like. Yeah, because exactly. if it had been five seconds sooner or later, it sounds like it would have been a different day for everybody. Or if y'all had stayed tight together and all of you had hit at the same time, then what would have happened? You know, I mean, it, it sounds like an unlucky but lucky situation, I guess. I guess so. So do you remember, guys, do you remember how far into the ride we were when this happened? Because, John, you said that I was the same incident, but I I know I didn't yeah. either. It was hungry at least. Didn't have getting, energy. Getting out there, that had to have been a good hour and a half into a ride, maybe even two hours into the ride. That can't remember how long we would it would you typically take us to do that particular route, but that'd be like a three-hour well, half to two hours in between that. Yeah. It takes me about two hours nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> You've, got, you've gotten faster in your old age, eh? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we were close take, to the end, about 80% in. How so long did it take people to get back on their bikes again? Like, did it impact you all? Um, did, you, did it change your thoughts about riding? Were you just able to get back out and start training again the next day? Like, what was that experience like? I kind of put my bike down for a bit because we spent an awful lot of time in hospital mm -hmm. for the next few weeks while Nick was, you know, he was in, he was in a coma and in ICU for weeks, right, Nick? I think. Yeah, I think two weeks, I think. Yeah, so we were, I mean, there was a fair group of us that were pretty much at the hospital. Yeah, my mom and dad, mom and dad were very, like, thought it was amazing how everyone was there at the hospital and the, the, all the time and just, uh, so... Again, I wish I remembered it, but I, I see 
kind of kind of sad I don't remember it because that'd be a whole different thing. But yeah, so I mean, I don't remember that at all. That like the hospital, I know, I just know like just that I was there and and that I was in, in the ICU and in the neurosurgical board up floor, whatever it was. But I don't really remember remember what the hospital looks like or I know or actually know now it looks like now because I went back a few years later. And just so we can do physio, but uh, also we're done. And I came back after two years at home doing rehab and recovering. That when I did finish, finish my master's, you had kept my bike for my my Trek 1000 bike from my base, not great bike from for probably we were doing what we were doing, but I didn't currently don't really buy a new one, that was easy, but you know. Yeah, you kept and looked actually looked in pretty good, pretty good condition. You were yeah. a bit taller than me, so I couldn't ride it. <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, was like a 68 or something, like a 70, was it? Wasn't it going to be 70? Um, Maybe was 58 or 60 centimeter frame, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, it looked in my bike closet. <laughs> I had a bunch of your stuff. But we, because we moved you out, or moved all your stuff out of uh, the apartment there. Yeah, we can't so you went back to Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah, that was does yeah, that's doesn't obviously it does. My parents and my and my sister found that intense, but there, there's it was great seeing you guys at the not you know great, but you know it's considering certain circumstances, seeing you guys at the hospital at the time. So, so yeah, so 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 I went there like. They must got the how long did they take with me at the scene, Jennifer? Sorry? I mean the EMS got there. How long did they take with me before they went to the hospital? Or just or is there like what they do? Well, I mean, they, they had to make sure that C spine was kept, right? Because nobody knew if you had a yeah. spinal injury at the time either. So they, they got a spinal board out. Um and and then you know, I mean, six, I think it was about six big fire dudes, firefighters lifted you up onto the board, strapped you in. I mean, you know, at that point, I'm not, I'm not keeping time, but yeah. uh, it wasn't, it wasn't rapid. And then it was probably another 20 minutes, at least back to, to Vic general. Wow. Um, so, I mean, from the crash to the hospital, it was probably an hour, right? Yeah. What do you think, John? I'd say I'd say at least an hour. It felt like it, it felt like it took forever for them to get on scene in the first in the first place. I think we were all in a, in a bit of a state of shock. I remember Alan kind of being, doing what he was doing to just try to hold you. I mean, you're you're essentially having seizures sporadically, yeah. and you like your limbs would start to kick and things like that. And uh, you know, I remember I remember coming down the hill, going up and down that little hill there. A few times just trying to check on Al, make sure he was doing okay, relaying information back for the homeowner to with how far, away, how far away was that home from the from where I was? Not far at all, just across the road. Right. But it was like a longer panhandle kind of driveway. So the house was probably set a hundred feet back from the road. Okay. Yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber dot com. Um, so then everybody went once they board, packaged you up and sent you down to the hospital. Everybody was able to come and visit right away. How long did it take for you guys to be able to have access to Nick to get information and know what was going on? Well, they drove. I think there was somebody. One of the one of the fire crew had a truck or something like that. We put all the bikes in the back of the truck, and Don and Alan and I got in the truck and they drove us to the hospital. So we were kind of right behind Nick you know, maybe 10 minutes behind them. And when we went into emerge, like I, I remember coming into emerge and seeing the doctors working on them down the end of the hall kind of thing. And I think they put us in a, almost in like a psychiatry or psychologist office kind of situation. Like <laughs> they didn't have a sit note in, in the waiting room. Um, and somebody came in to talk to us. And, and I think, I mean, there was, nothing was known. Right at that point in time, it was just they were working to try to stabilize Nick. It was it was emerged obviously obviously emerged. But I mean, how soon after emerged did I go to I would get to ICU for emerge? I don't know how that works. Lauren, I guess you can be told the party hall. But I mean, do you go strictly from straight from your emergency hospital to to ICU, or yeah, how does that work? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. That's a very big, question. I'm not. I'm not sure because uh, where I work, a trauma like that would be packaged and life lighted down to Salt Lake, um, and I don't work in that area, so I'm actually not sure how people transition from. You know, in, in our hospital, you'll hear a over. Um, they'll say like you know trauma to ten minutes, bay two or whatever it is, and then that team is activated throughout the hospital. And they have to be there by the time whatever is coming through the door. So essentially, in, in the U.S. and I don't even know how it differs in Canada, but um, the the ambulance would call into the hospital and they'd say they give them an update on what's coming, and they tell them how far out they are. And then the hospital 
hospital makes a announcement. So that team is ready for whatever time that is. So you'll hear different times. You'll hear five minutes, you'll have 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then those people are deployed and waiting to catch that package when it comes through the door. Um, and then because we're a regional hospital, you may or may not be shipped down to Salt Lake. They might keep it there depending on how many traumas there are. Right, right. So John, do you, or John or Alan, do you remember how long before I went from seeing the room and emerge to ICU or and or to or where I go? Yeah, and I don't remember. I mean, at some point in time, you had to have surgery because they had to take a piece of the um, your skull. Yeah. And to relieve some of the pressure as your brain had swollen. Yeah. And I don't know if you went into surgery and then went into ICU or, or if you had surgery oh, while you were already in ICU. I can't remember exactly how that went. Okay. I thought, because I thought my parents were saying, my parents were saying that I was in, in a coma first, and then they said, oh, then they, then they had a hematoma then, but I'm not, again, no. I just, and I did, I did look at my, medical chart so I know the was uh, written there so I know the dates and I, I can't remember though I can't remember if it was when during the day or that day that day or how long the surgery took or so did and and you guys do, couldn't couldn't reach my my parents so they asked you did John Allen they asked you guys about like how to get my my next of kin I guess is what you're saying so did you guys know how to reach them how did, did we contact one of your friends, I think? John, do you, I, I, don't I, I can't remember. I, I almost feel like the hospital got, like you, the hospital definitely got in touch with your with your dad, Nick. And yeah. Parents anyway. Um, I think at that point in time, like I'd never met your family and, you know, we, yeah. we were kind of really starting to get to know one another through the triathlon yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, um seem to recall saying like trying to help them get as much information about it, who you were so they could try to find next to Ken. You know who might have been um, you remember Suzanne? She got she got kind of involved. Uvic maybe? They, that, yeah. the MBA, I think the MBA school the MBA, public administration was doing masters. Thank you. They contacted them. That probably sounds Sounds like the most logical. They probably got in touch with the school to get your emergency contact info that you would have provided the administration. And right. yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't long before your parents got out to Victoria, right? I think they they pretty much got on the first flight that they could, and it might have been thirty six hours, and they were in town. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing uh, Lauren. I can't see Lauren. It makes it difficult to really tell if she's a questions or not, or or what. The, Lauren, let, let, uh, to, oh, there you go. You're going to try the video or not, Lauren. And, uh, I'll try to turn it back on, but I think, I don't I think, think it's going to okay work. Now. We'll now I get this. I still afraid to make a racket. But, uh, so, Lauren, Lauren, did you have any questions about <laughs> that stuff? Now, now we're frozen. I want to ask more about what it was like. Oh, me. Oh, you're good. All right, I'll turn it back off again. Sorry. <laughs> um. <laughs> So I would love to hear more from there. So you, Nick, you're not that helpful right now because you're in a medically induced coma, right? So I'm you don't not. have any, you don't have anything to contribute really to the conversation. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, um, I'm not <laughs> helpful at all. But, but it would be interesting to hear from the fellow's perspective of what it was like 
you know, visiting and what it was like being in the hospital while those decisions are being made and spending time with your family. I mean, however much they're comfortable, obviously, it was probably an emotional experience for them, but whatever they're comfortable saying about that experience, I think that that would be interesting for listeners to hear while you're in this coma, what's the outsider's perspective of what that was like and and how did that emotionally, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who've been caregivers that listen to your podcast. So they'll be able to understand some of that aspect and, and maybe feel a little bit like they're not as alone or things like that. So I think that that could be interesting. Great. So who wants to go first? John? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it was a long time ago, so I'm jogging my memory here. I'm, I, I remember feeling uh, maybe a little... Because I was because I was there, feeling a, a level of responsibility. Like I knew, I know the accident wasn't my fault. That wasn't how I was feeling at the time. But I, you know, like felt responsible to the situation. You know, um, it, it was uh, we had a tight knit triathlon club going on, and there was a lot of people around that were coming to visit and and spending time in the hospital. I think um, we couldn't actually get in to see Nick very often. I think I, I might have seen him 10 minutes a day kind of thing. We'd go in and out and, um, you know, his parents obviously and his sister were first priority to spend time with him. So we would, we'd be in the IC waiting area outside in the hallway kind of thing. Um, I just remember feeling like if I didn't have a reason to not be at the hospital, I was going to the hospital to, to make sure that things were okay there. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a surreal time. It was a very surreal time. Trying to lend as much help to the family and and, yeah. and send out as much love to the universe for Nick. Just be there for for him. Um, yeah, it was like John said, surreal and I don't know, very emotional, for sure. And I think that Lauren may have, oh, there she is. She did drop off. Now she's back. Okay. Okay. No, she's confused though. So you now, probably didn't hear much of that, Lauren. I was just saying that I've, yeah. you know, felt a level of responsibility for the situation and, you know, you do what you can to help, help, help Nick's family and, and, and just kind of positive energy prayers, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, I switched I switched to the cellular data instead of the, the oh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. That's actually good good to get pretty smooth now. I think it's better. Um Alan, how about you? Sorry about my little absence there. No, no, you, you too, same positive energy. Same time. Yeah, I mean you you, you feel kind of helpless really and um you're just there to, to lend support to the family, try and, you know, uh, just, just lend a helping hand or the helping heart to send as much positive energy to, um, you know, to the universe that Nick gets better. It was, it was, uh, you know, I, it, it affected me pretty deeply. Like I said earlier, every time I do that ride, I, I still think of that day and I still think of Nick and think of how he's doing. And well, so. Nice. 
yeah, yeah. I don't that riot. I can't remember that. I know I remember the riots. I'm, I don't remember much. I know not some of the riots you did, but I don't really know. They're not. I'm not from Victoria. I see, and I was out there for all those seven months, and uh, and it, and then that am again after, but I couldn't really get out much then. But uh, so I don't know how much the uh, the rides really the exact locations like which rides which routes we've taken which routes we took and where the where is it, where is it where exactly they took us so uh, yeah so it's hard to really know and you were saying that i know and, and you were saying we ended up on a like the hell side right either on hell side i big remember that road and i remember mckenzie remember shelburne or sherman one of those roads that this is all like, in the city and then yeah, as I said, he throws, I had no idea what there. Yeah. I think it's great, Nick, that you had such a wonderful support group. You know, I'm sure you on some level sense their presence visiting you in the hospital and your family having so many of your friends around. I think that that's so wonderful for the people, you know, on the outside who were involved. And then of course you, because yeah. There's so many people who believe that even if you're in a coma, you're somewhat present. And especially if you're in a twilight coma from medication, you know, and, and how that energy and that positiveness feeds into you. There's, there's, there's a medicine to that, that medicine can never replicate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, having such support is so wonderful. Yeah. No, I know my parents were so, so thankful for everyone there from like John Allen and Don, who is, we, don't know where she is, but she's Don Tanya. Not Tanya's that day, and I said she wasn't there that day. But uh, and Don supposed to be on this call, but he lost her somehow. And uh, but uh, and then everyone on the everyone on the triathlon team, and everyone at my uh, my master's program, and they're saying that they're, they're all there too. And there's, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure this how how many how many people fit in the hospital waiting room, but wherever they were put, but uh, they're just so, so thankful for everybody taking calls and, and answering questions and just being there, supporting, seeing me, even though I couldn't remember much, but uh, I don't remember, I remember, uh, remember waking up, don't remember waking up, I remember being, going to, there's a room, a room at the end of the hospital that was looked up, looked from trees and maybe the sitting background or something like that, or and uh, and no one ever uh, leaving that day. Kind of, I, mean, I left, checked St. John's on September 11th of 03. I remember that very vaguely, but I remember going through a, a group of people there. Or was there to know what those notes are? Was there what there had been? Boy, we were there when I was wheeled out to hospital after to go back to St. John's. Sorry, what was the question again? Were you there when I was wheeled out to helicopter to St. John's? I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I remember you coming out of ICU and being and moved into a, you know, a, I guess a regular room. Um, okay. I remember you talking the first time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I say because I, I I can't remember what you said, but I like you know I'd come in in to see you and. Um, you had a, you were able to squeeze your hand and I think they taught you like, you know, one squeeze is no one, two squeezes is yes or something like that. And, yeah. and we try to have a conversation with you 
that way just you know because the i think the medical staff was like anything you can do to kind of help nick remember things about life right like i think that was kind of how how those conversations were going so i would ask you questions about your riding across the country and stuff like that yeah yeah i remember one day coming in and you were able to to vocalize a bit right you were you had a few words that you were saying and, and stuff like that and that was kind of the day that we i think like a collective sigh of relief were coming out where you were really past the he may or may not make it stage um and then there and then your parents started talking about okay well we need to get back to the get back to st john's and get back to life and and they made the plans to get you fly you back yeah so i don't think was I was the, they moved you, though. that he was in a medical induced coma that's what i was it about two weeks that he was in a coma at least two weeks i want to say it was probably three yeah when done, but yeah and definitely like medically induced like they were keeping you in a coma yeah 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 then yeah, uh, they, they i don't know when they that when they decide that and you're doing the coma like when they said okay you're you're you know is it like you're too far gone we got to put in the coma or is it just that just it makes sense now to be stabilized people do you know Lauren? as far as why they moved you why 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 in Mavadusconi? Why is is encouraged at that point? Is that because someone's too far gone that Mavadusconi makes sense, or is it because stability? Is it just for stability? Do you know? I mean, I would be kind of talking on my rear end. I have my best guesses, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't. I mean, I don't work in that area. Not but um, I would think that if they had opened your skull, they would have sutured a part of it into your abdomen. Yeah. Um, so some of that, they would have done it to keep you, you know, calm. I don't know what kind of tubes and wires you would probably would have been on a ventilator, feed, I'm assuming. I had a so. feeding tube, did I? I had a feeding tube because I had thought of the scattered feeding tube and they had a, uh, a trick out of me. You can see. Yeah. Can see. So they keep you, at least back then, now they get people up a little bit on their vents, but back then they would have kept you more sedated because of the... And then when they move you to a trach, they can wake you up. When you have a trach, you can be, you won't pull the tube so they can wake you up. But again, that's about the the majority that I know about that. And I think I tried to pull the tubes out of my neck or something, something, didn't I, John, around? No. I I don't remember any of that. I mean, your wrists, they they had you tied down on the bed so that you couldn't move your arms very much um, when you're in the ICU. And, And I know that you know, one of the reasons why they kept you in that coma was because the your brain was so swollen that it was impacting your heart rhythm and it was impacting your body temperature in a big way. Like you were in a in a, some kind of a bag that had like cold water running through it to regulate your your temperature because you you're running really hot. So there's a lot of brain swelling. Yeah. Did you guys say that the the surgery was delayed. So was the swelling delayed or did they catch it delayed? Or is there a reason why they didn't open it sooner? Um, did you say you were put in the coma first and then they brought you into surgery later on? I don't remember how the, the order went. If if he was, went from eMERGE to surgery to ICU or if he went from eMERGE to ICU and then into surgery, I, I just can't recall. But it would but have it been- It was all that day, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. it would have been fairly quickly. And then there was just that hour waiting time of being out in the wilderness. You know, it's 
that tends to be where the accidents happen, right? But then that that tends to mean it's the longest access to care is when we're out in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I can't, I know as after, after that day, it's more, it's just, it's out of your hands and John and Alan and also I'd say Don, Don's not here, but pretend she is now. But after that day, it's kind of out of your hands, obviously not kind of, it's totally out of your hands. And I was the hospital, the hospital and the doctors and my family at that point. But uh, so I, so I didn't have any more, anything else to really clarify or to ask you about that day. But uh, uh, so Lauren, did you have any questions for them or even or me or whatever? I mean, it doesn't matter who you talk to at this point. I, I think it's wonderful that they were able to, when you, John used the word guilt, but then very quickly clarified, not that he felt guilt about the accident itself. Like, I think it's really important for people who witnessed a traumatic event like that, or had that sort of survivor's guilt kind of thing that is really, they didn't do anything wrong. In fact, they implemented life-saving um, rescue techniques to keep you around. And so I think it's, I think he said that really well, that you can have these emotions, but then being able to separate out your emotions and, and knowing which ones are appropriate, which one's not, because somebody could witness an accident like that and, and they could take a much different path with it because of a feeling like guilt. So I think that that's wonderful that they're able to compartmentalize and they're able to talk about it, ride their bikes again. Um, I just, I think there's so many positives from such a hard story, if that makes sense, not taking yeah. away from Nick's experience at all. But I think I that for the friends around him, it's so wonderful that they were able to live such a full life after seeing something like that. Thank you. It's great. And uh, yeah, I was going to say, because I know like my podcast, I call it concussion talk, because I wanted to talk about my range, but also just range in general. And that's more, there's more concussions than our severe ranges. But I talked to severe ranges, it wouldn't reach as many people as need help as, as, I, as I am. I know Lauren is. I reached out to Lauren because Lauren has had her share of concussions. And uh, I know one thing of the concussions of people like are, it's just, it's a uh, people like I remember, I mean, uh, for example, I'll kind of backtrack a lot here, but uh, now I'm saying like, when I told her about the, that I wanted to do, do, do this podcast, this episode, um, she was surprised that I want to talk about it. People are surprised I want to talk about this, but I just, it's, it was such a severe injury that it's kind of, but the bifurcated my life was in like my life before and after kind of it's very it was very obvious I couldn't I was obviously I obviously was so injured that I couldn't I can't and injured in a way that I can do a sports game I couldn't do this do it the, the way I want to do it again I can do sports games I couldn't do them the way I want to do but uh I was definitely so much different than I was before that I was that I had no problems talking about the past before my injury or at my injury because just like a different deciding experience that it just happened it's like it's actually more emotional for more for for John Allen and John to talk about it because they were there to remember they were there. But uh, I just I don't even I don't remember I've never done with accident at all obviously and I which is a good thing. But I it's just it's just as in like I can just talk about it as something that happened in the past a historical event and not doesn't really affect my 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 thoughts. I don't know if I need to work on that or if that's just. The way it is, the way it should be. But uh, I think it's I very healthy, Nick. I think that that's very <laughs> well, I healthy. 
I mean, listen, I'm not a psychologist, but yeah. I work with people all day who struggle with that, who I used to be, who I am and how much yeah. that hangs people up in their recovery. And yeah. people have to work through that emotion at their own. You know, this is a long time ago now for you, but people have to work through that emotion on their own. But there are people who get trapped in that. This is what my life used to be. And they simply can't move forward. And And you've been able to do so much with yeah. your book and your podcast and, and creating this whole life for yourself without... Yeah having to dwell too much on the, what could have, should have. And I think yeah. that's, I think you should be commended for that. I think that's wonderful. Thanks. And uh, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying like the, the, the concussions, like I know people like concussions, like not take away from their experiences, but concussions are just so close to your, like the, 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 the invisible injury, brain injury is because it's just, if I don't physically, physically, if I physically affect that be more, more invisible than it is, but, uh, but uh, for concussions, just not as not as detrimentally physically for as severely for as long, and uh, I know, and so so you can see your old life and see that people treat you the same way, and you can see that okay, that's where you deal, that's what should happen because because of my life, my old life. But whereas where I was so severely injured that I, my life was just didn't happen before it happened, but it was just like obviously not, and then no one treated me. The same as before because because the injury is so severe, and so that kind of in a way made it easier. But also, I should also note that it has been eighteen years. It's not like it just all of a sudden like I woke up and on August whatever twenty some whatever it was because August twenty is August first, and so I didn't wake up my home and all that. I think that okay, that's over with now. But like, it took me a long time, like at least you know ten years at least to, and I'm starting to probably you know probably not even over in the best sense but uh i am but you know i feel like i am but uh anyway yeah it's been such a long time that it's not like it's people think oh you know just who's not here when i hear i'm talking to cousins now it's it's very much it's very reason that i hear they're talking about their injuries and how long it's taken them like five years and the, and the immediate thought is like, wow that's a long time but then i think in my own life I'm like well that's not really long time but i wish five years but like Again, I don't because it's five years is five years. That's the last time. That's you know, that's obviously that's very important to everybody. So I just I know I just want to make a speech then, but I didn't make it very well. And but uh, yeah, and uh, I said so only really, that ends it. But Alan and Don, Alan, Don, Alan, John, Alan and John. Sorry, sorry, John. I got I got you, Don, who's not here. But, <laughs> but poor Don. Or Don. Yeah. Well, poor Don. She's, she's, she's never gonna live it down. I know. Poor Don. She's gonna live it forever. And the uh, no, Don's not the, here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tag her first all in the, in the. Uh, I, I wrote a little, I wrote a little spiel on my for my blog saying a little information about this podcast before this and said it. I want to talk down to to Alan, Don, and John. I want to do it alphabetically. So uh, and. Uh, so Don is like the first name. I will, Alan is the first name, but Alan's not on Instagram or on Facebook. I don't think she'll be. So yeah, so she's like, she's tagged there, but she's not on this, but she'll, she'll tag her. She'll, she'll <laughs> um, we'll talk. We should call this episode Don's Not Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don's here no more. <laughs> hey, before before we drop off, Nick, I wanted yeah. to ask: do you, do you remember going back to the scene of the accident? 
remember, remember when I came back in like oh five or something back to Vic? And yeah, you came back and to you, your MPA degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And before you left town, you asked to to go out there, and I think yeah, you told me out there. Remember you, you told me out there, and I vaguely remember the. I don't remember uh, going out there with you guys. I mean, maybe I was there, but I don't recall that. I remember. Uh, I remember being amazed that you came back two years after and finished off your degree. I thought that was just so amazing. Yeah. 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 And I, I remember that, I remember that day that I remember that you remember, I was early on, you showed me the bike, I showed me the bike, but then I said, can you take me to, yeah. So it was late. It was late. late. It was like, maybe one of our last days there. Yeah. It was, it was right before you left town after you were done. I think you were going to Ottawa from, from Victoria, you'd gotten a job out in Ottawa or something like that. Well, I, I did. I did like a year later, but after I was, I was going to go to Ottawa after my injury. Before I, if I know three, I was going to go to Ottawa. I had a job in Ottawa, a co-op, co-op job in Ottawa, yeah. in at our other general office there in 03. But again, like that, obviously, was not happening because I was in a coma. But uh, you know, but then, then I got down a lot. A year later, but and it was that was 06 when I left Victoria, and like, I just started a job in 07 in Ottawa. But I was going back, but yeah, going back to I was going, I was going to do Toronto and then to visit friends in it for the for a, for a few days. But um, I think we went to like the PJ Billington's, is that that's not right? Restaurant, just right, yeah, oh, no. yeah that, that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been with me in Victoria. No. I, I just I remember taking you back to that to the yes. scene of the incident and and uh, it just feeling probably surreal like just to to watch Nick look at the tree and yes yeah, to me uh, and to me it felt like to you it was obviously something because you because you take it but for me it was like well get this place a new place this is a uh, interesting I I was totally separate from it, it was like but for you yeah. it's been it's been a bit or a bit a lot more different. A lot different. I think for you it was like it was like you, the first time you'd been there, right? Because yeah. you had no memory of the day. No. And that might have been the first time that you'd ridden that route with us too. Like I can't remember how many times we did that that bike ride together. Definitely Alan and I and, and Don and I had done that that ride lots, but that might have been the first time that you were ever on that route. But yeah. It felt yeah, like it was the closing of the chapter when we went back there. Like yeah. You were able to see it, and, and I mean, you you'd really moved on a lot in the in the between the, the you know the, those years that had happened, and when you finished your degree. Yeah, uh, great physios and and learn learn doing, but I had uh, great doctors and great physios and great other uh, specialists, and just and I see great friends. So I was doing it, but in Victoria, Ontario, and St. John's, and uh, yeah. So uh, I think that was actually a very good place to end this this podcast. Now, because I don't know how long we've spoken for, but it's been for a while. And uh, so I just want to, Alan, did you have anything else? Just say a little, okay. Um, I just wanted to just thank you, thank you both, and thank you, Don, who's not here, but she'll, she'll know. She'll know about this podcast because we'll, we'll let her forget. But uh, yeah, but um, thank you so, all so much for, thank you, John and Don, and Stay on the call because I'll just stop recording now. But I'll still just want to say thanks and say goodbye to you and, and you too, Lauren. So I'll just stop the call now. But uh, thank you and thanks everyone for listening.
As always, music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. www.bensound.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.